Back in, when we first started this, back in, I think it was September, it was, the topic we discussed was matter to the mission. And what we were talking about is the gatekeeping um, phrase, which is, we are set free to do God's good in our gates. In October, we moved on to the fact that there is a war, the war of the worlds. And, and we talked about the fact that God will win when we wield the right weapons against the right warriors in our gates. And then last in November, election day, we talked about the immovable object, which is the only way gatekeepers can lose is if we quit. I'm not quitting. The only way we lose is if we quit. Why? Because we got God. We have Almighty God who is on our side, who has called us to the battle, and we can't lose unless we quit. Which leads us to tonight. We've had a break. We're back here tonight. And what we're going to be talking about tonight is the fact that gatekeepers, us guys, unstoppable forces. We're unstoppable forces. And this is where we're coming from. We need to understand this one thing. If a thing is not bigger than me, it's not worthy of he. Now, I know the grammar doesn't work. If you've been around me long enough, you know I don't care about grammar when I'm trying to make a point. If a thing is not bigger than me, it's not worthy of he. So we're going to talk tonight about what that means when it comes to how we live our lives and how we look at life and, and the visions that we might have for God. We're going to start by talking about a guy named Jabez. Jabez is a guy out of First, First Chronicles chapter 4. We don't know very much about the, the guy. It's just two verses in the Bible, and, and it starts out by him getting born, and his mom naming him Jabez because, go figure, there was some kind of pain involved. And so he got this name, Jabez, having to do with the pain of, the, of his birth. And then, and then it says, but he was more notable. He was more honorable, more successful than his brothers. And then the next verse, 1 Chronicle 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 10, it goes in to talk about how Jabez prayed a prayer. And my question is, and we got granted the prayer, and my question is, what kind of a prayer does God grant to someone who's super successful? Someone who has everything. What kind of prayer does guy, a guy like that pray that God answers? What kind of, you know, when you have everything and you ask God for something else, what is that thing that someone who has everything would ask for? And I ask that question because we're going to talk about that tonight. Because if that thing that someone would ask for who has everything already is that important, then those of us who don't have everything should probably pay attention, especially since God said yes. The prayer he started off with was the prayer, I call it the prayer for progress. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, the first part of it, Jabez says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. My family, we have a library of um, what we call our classic movies. Um, Princess Bride. I'm going to lose my man card over this. I know I am. <laughs> Princess Bride, um, Cool Runnings. Um, you know, some of you, okay, you get it. Um, uh, three Amigos. I mean, I've seen the movie Three Amigos. Okay. In the movie The Three Amigos, you've got three not so bright Amigos. They're actors, as they would put it. And the actors get fired because they stood up against the studio head. And they're trying to think about what they're going to do next, and they suddenly get this telegram. And the telegram they get is from the village of Santa Poco. 
And Santa, the people of Santa Poco have asked them to, and they're asking the three amigos who they think are really heroes, not actors, to come and rid them of the infamous El Guapo. Now, once again, I said, these guys aren't too bright. And so they're standing there going, infamous? What is infamous? So Steve Martin, who was the least stupid of the three, says, well, infamous, it's, it's, fam- it's more than famous. And the rest of the movie is predictable from there. But I think I have every line in that movie memorized. This is what the kind of thing that Jabez was asking for. He didn't say, oh, that you would bless me, Lord. I mean, he's already blessed. He had everything. He didn't say, oh, that you would bless me. He said, oh, that you would bless me indeed. He was saying to God, I want a super blessing from you. I want an uber blessing. I want a thermonuclear blessing from you, God. And remember, he had everything of that day. He was already successful, and yet he's asking for that. But do you know that God wants to do that to you? God wants to bless you like that? It's very clear in Scripture. In in, in Matthew chapter 7, it says God's the best giver. If you read along with me, it says on the screen, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, God is the best gift giver because he gave the best gift ever, Jesus. He gave his son in our place to die on a cross that we deserved. He gave his only begotten son, the ultimate super blessing, because he loved us. And he wants to keep doing that because he's our Abba Father. He's our daddy. And guys, if you're a daddy, you know how that feels. You get a little idea of how that feels. When you've got your child and you just, they may want something and you want to give it to them. Whether you can or not is beside the point. You want to give it to them. God is the uber daddy. He is the super gift giver, the super daddy. And because of what he did and sent his son on the cross, we have this thing called grace, the ultimate gift. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, because we have this grace, it says, let us therefore come boldly, not meekly, not boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jabez came to God boldly, said, Lord, you have blessed me abundantly. I'm more successful than my brothers, but I want more. And he came boldly to God to ask for that more. And God wants to do the same thing for you and me. But we need to look and see what that thing was that Jabez asked for. What was this super blessing that this super successful guy wanted from God? Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And, I'm going to stop right there. As you're studying your Bibles... One of the things that will be helpful for you in your Bible study to remember is this, is this little trick of Bible interpretation. We Americans think lineal. It's, we have apples and oranges and pears and strawberries and, and nuts and fruit. We, we, we think in lists. We see the word and in between something and we, we concoct a list, right? Hebrews didn't do that. They saw in pictures. They thought in pictures. 
So much of what we read in Scripture is a picture that comes together. This word and, is, is when you're doing um, interpretation of the Bible, is what is called a parallelism. If that's the only thing you ever learn about Bible interpretation, this is really going to be cool for you. It really will. Because what it does is it takes the things on either side of the and, and it puts them together. And now you have a picture of what Jabez is asking for. So what we have here is, he says, oh, calls to the God of Israel, said, oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory. The, 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 enlarging the territory was the blessing. It was, it blessed me indeed, oh, and yeah, and, and I want my, my territory enlarged too. It was one in the same thing. But what's that mean? And I only have one way, I, one way to explain what that means. And it, it happened to me and Gary. Where's Gary? There he is. There he is. Happened to me and Gary, Gary and me, Gary and I, ha, whatever. It happened to us um, some time ago where he had a tree in his backyard. And, and, and this tree was, I forget if it was a wind or disease, I forget what it was, Gary, but there were limbs that were falling down. And it was, some of them were pretty hefty limbs, and it could have been kind of dangerous for the folks doing that. And, and uh, so I said, well, what, let's take those things down. So I said, I, I, I got to get some stuff done this morning, but here, I loaned him my, my chainsaw. And so I left it with the chainsaw with him, and, and I came back a couple hours later, ready to help clean up. And I get there, and he is, he's huffing, and he's puffing, and he's all red, and the sweat's pouring down, and he's drinking his lemonade. I'm looking, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? And I look over at the, at the tree, and only one of the limbs is about halfway cut. He goes, Doug, that chainsaw doesn't work very well. And I, find, I said, really? I just had it. And I went and picked it up, pulled the cord, and boom. He said, what's that sound? I'm going to pay for that. It was Aaron's idea. But the point of that silly story is this. Chainsaws work best when the power is going. Jabez was successful. But my suspicion is, is he was operating with the power turned off. He knew there was something bigger. He knew that there was something more. He wanted to see more. He wanted to think bigger. He wanted to do more. He wanted, as we've talked about here, he wanted to matter. He didn't want to be someone who just took up space and used up air. He wanted to matter, is my suspicion. And so he's asking God to say, expand my territory. Make me see more. Make me become more. You ever felt that way? Yeah. It's just like this, this sense. There's a sense there that I'm here for a reason. It can be very frustrating if you can't figure out what the reason is, or if you figure out what the reason is, how to go about doing it. I can get that. But there's this sense that God has put in each and every one of us to dream bigger. He's, he's told us, look at the top of the ladder. Aim for the top of the ladder. There's that something in us that he's created that wants us to look up. And yet, I have found so many times that this is what we're doing. I call it navel-gazing. 
You know what navel gazing is? Is you know, religion sometimes does this, where we get so philosophical that we sit around and we contemplate our navels, and we figure out how, how our navels fit into the theme of things. You know, and yet that's not what God designed us to do. He didn't design us to do this. Some people though can maybe do this. They can look up to this level, or this level, but whatever the comfort level is, and then they stop. Jesus said, uh, oh, it says in Proverbs chapter 29 that for lack of vision, the people perish. Jabez may have been successful, but my guess is he just felt like he wasn't quite clicking. The switch wasn't turned on. And he wanted more. He wanted more from God. But it, this, this more he wanted from God wasn't just anything. He says in, in, the, in the next phrase, he says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and expand my territory, that your hand would be with me. And this one is cool. That. The word that, it says this is the purpose, that your hand would be with me. Here, oh, you bless me indeed, expand my territory, that your hand would be with me. Jabez had a purpose to his prayer. The first purpose of this, I count two so far, the first purpose of that was he wanted God to move him into a vision that was bigger than he was. Did you hear that? I, I want you all to think about that with you right now in your own lives. So what's bigger than you? What is it in your life that's bigger than you that interests you? Jabez wanted to be moved into a vision for his life that was bigger than, that was so big, that was so big that the only way he could do it, it was with God's hand being with him. Otherwise, he's going to fail. When's the last time we prayed like that? I mean, here's what we typically are praying. God, fit more into me. God, fit more into me. God, make my job better. Make my marriage better. Make my finances better. And there's really nothing wrong with that. Remember, God wants to bless you. What's wrong with that is that if that's where you stop. Because what Jabed was praying like fit me into more. See, I'm going to encourage every one of you in this room tonight. Think about your prayers and which category are they in? Are they fit more into me or have you moved on to as well fit me into more? Jabez wanted to be in a situation where he would say, God, show me your bigger. Show me something bigger than me. He had this vision and he wanted that from God. And every one of us in this room, I'm talking about that switch being flipped. This is where I wanted to start. What about your marriage? How can God make that? What is your vision for that marriage with God involved? What about your job? What's your vision for how God could use that? That's bigger than you, that is so big that you can't do it by yourself. Your finances. And the list goes on and on and on. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go out on a limb because I'm not quite sure what this means. Back over a year ago now, it was the first time I walked into this church. I walked into this church simply to, to, to see what Gary was doing and, and, and such because we had talked about maybe working together on a couple of things. And I can tell you right now, it was literally three steps into the front door. I suddenly knew that I had just changed churches. I still can't explain that today. But it was as clear 
as I'm standing right here, I knew I had just changed churches. And what I didn't know at the time was my wife had this exact same revelation at the same time. We talked about it afterwards. God had told us, this is your home now. But there's something else he told, us, told me after that that I don't understand. But it's a vision. It's something that's bigger than we are. And it has, it all, all it was was 30,000 five years. 30,000 five years. Guys, I have no idea what that means yet. But I know where it came from. And I know that as we, if we're going to seek God, if we're going to pray to God, oh, that you would bless me indeed, that you would expand our borders 30,000 five years, what's that mean? We're going to find out if we are faithful in little. If we continue to be faithful in little, we're going to see what God has planned that involves 30,000 in five years. Now, that's a vision. The question is, what did Jabez, why, I'll put it this way, why did he want that? It, it, you're, you've made some assumptions, I know, as you sit here. But think about that. Why would someone want that? How many of us have all these plates spinning? And they're all, like you've been in the circus, see the plates spinning on the pole? And you've got to keep the plates spinning? And then as you're keeping the plate spinning, somebody puts one over here. You know, where did that come from? Now you're keeping this plate spinning. And, you, and, and you're busy already. Who would pray for more? Who would pray for more responsibility on top of all that? Well, Jabez is. This brings us to, I think, the second reason for he said that your hand would be with me. Jabez wanted to experience God. He literally wanted to experience God. Guys, when you live in something bigger than you are, where your only option for success is God, that's where you're going to find him. That's where you're going to find him. And you're going to do it in some of the weirdest ways. One of the examples I, have, I can think of is, is, we call it kind of a God thing. We've heard that phrase in the past, a God thing. I, I've referred to sometimes you see God's thumbprint on something. The example I have, and I have several, but... One that, that comes to mind right now is with my son, Miles. Miles is a professional trumpet player. And he, he's doing very well now. In fact, if you've seen the movie um, Rogue, uh, Rogue One, listen really closely to the trumpet, cause, trumpets because that's my boy. And so he's really good at what he does. But when he was first starting out his, his career, he, he got out and he graduated from the University of Redlands. And his first contract was with Carnival Cruise Lines. And I was so excited. And not really. Now, I know that some of you younger guys are thinking, hmm, right out of college, floating bar, Caribbean, that sounds like a lot of fun. You don't understand. I've been praying for that boy's wife for his entire life. We've been praying for her that she be raised in a godly home and that she come to know Jesus and, and that she be that perfect fit for him. And we've been praying for that forever and ever and ever. And I'm thinking, God, what are you doing? Where did I fail? We've been doing our part. We've been praying. We've been doing the parts we can do. He's going on a floating bar in the Caribbean. We know what's going to happen there. About a month and a half into his first contract, I get this call. God, Dad, I met a girl. I'm going, great. Okay, you know, there's the dancers. There's, you know, okay, what would <laughs> Name's Tina. Really? Great, son. Tell me about her. Well, I, um, how'd you meet her? He, well, it was after one of our shows, and we'd seen each other in the hallway, so 
we went um, out to the cafeteria they have for the crew afterwards, and, and we said, we talked for like three hours. Like, okay, that's cool. What's she like? Well, she's a Christian. Now that blew me away right there, because that's not supposed to happen. He's on a bar in the middle of, and so what's going on with that? Well, and all that, she's a dancer. So I, I, don't, I don't understand that part. He says, Dad, you'll think this is funny. We've been talking for a couple hours, and I finally said to her, well, you're not one of those Jesus freaks, are you? To which she replied, I am. You got a problem with that? <laughs> They've been married for over two years now. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I couldn't have designed that to save my life. I had a better idea about, you know, introducing them to some girl in the church and, you know, just all these great things that I could do. And God said, uh, I want my thumbprint on this. This girl actually went to the same Bible college my father went to. Who, who would think that, that my son would meet someone like that who we love dearly on a floating bar in the middle of the Caribbean? God thought of it. God thought of it. That was his thumbprint. He wanted us to know it was about him. That's why it says in Psalm 75, verse 1, We give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks. For your wondrous works, declare your name is near. Jabez wanted to experience God. Yeah, there were going to be wondrous works in the process because when you, all you have is God, wondrous works are going to happen. But Jabez said, I want the wondrous works because I want to be near you. I want to experience you. It's kind of cool experiencing God. How many of you, I want you to raise your hand in a second when I ask this question. How many of you have been in a situation like I, I, kind of like what I just explained where it worked out and it had to be God. Raise your hand. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? The way God does that? Wouldn't it be awesome to live like that every day and just interact with God every day, have God come down every day? That's what Jabez was praying for. He said, I want to experience the bigger. I want to experience God. That could be inconvenient. <laughs> It could be struggle. It may not make any sense whatsoever what God's telling you to do. But the bigger is where you find God. You're hearing things about the bridge right now. The vision that our pastor has. And you're hearing the things in some of the tangible areas where, you know, the front area that's going to be remodeled and everything else. Do you know why he wants to do stuff like this? He wants to push us into the bigger. You know why we're fasting the next 20-some days? I, I, it was 21 on Sunday, whatever that is now. You know why we're doing that? Because he wants to lead us into the bigger. Do you know why he, we are here tonight, gentlemen? Whether you knew it or not, we want you here to, in, to introduce you to the bigger. Because that is where we encounter God. We want to take out the fear and move you into the trust to let God do his thing in your life. You want to experience God? Embrace the bigger. Brief commercial. Tomorrow night, prayer meeting. Be bigger. I encourage every one of you to be here for that. We're praying for God to come down. 
We're praying for the bigger to happen. We're praying for this not to be just another church that happens to meet on Sunday. We're praying for God to do his thing, and we need your warrior prayers tomorrow night. What time is that, Gary? 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Jabez prayed this prayer. He wanted to be closer to God. Oh, that you have blessed me indeed and expand my territory, that your hand would be with me. Because he wanted to experience God. But then he, he prayed the rest of the prayer. Now, it was pretty clear that Jabez, he knew God was going to answer the prayer. So his next phrase was, and, remember, the parallelism, we won't go into that now, but just when you look back at it again, and, it's related to everything else you said so far, and that you would keep me from evil. First Chronicles 4, verse 10. He didn't say, keep evil from me. He's asking God to keep him from doing evil. Then it goes on, it says the reason why, that. Here's the word, the word that again. Why do you, I want you to keep me from evil, God, that I might not cause pain? What's that about? I believe, and I'm going to try to prove it here in a minute, that Jabez was thinking, God's going to do something big. He's going to move. He's going to do something big in my life, and I don't want to screw it up. Because he knew him. That's the peril of pride. Some would say pride itself is the root of all sin. When I was living in Australia, my, my church there, I, um, I learned a few of the things. And one of the, one of the phrases that the Aussies have is called, he's got tickets on himself. You heard that before? He's got tickets on himself. And I finally asked, what, what's that? Well, he's got tickets on himself. And they said, well, what that means is, it's an old Aussie phrase, this simply means that if, he, if there was a show that he, he was a star, he'd buy tickets to watch it. And that's how we act sometimes. Sometimes our pride gets in the place where we would buy tickets to watch our own show. We've got tickets on ourselves. And how's that happen? Pride comes into play. I know that happens to me. I've watched so many times. I can, let, me, let me just regress a minute. You know, I was in politics have a lot of folks who are elected officials around the country. I will tell you right now that almost everyone I know, and two of my former colleagues are felons, almost everyone I know who was in politics who eventually went bad is because they got tickets on themselves. They started buying their press. They started off as public servants, but eventually they began to believe. And, I, it's, and guys, give them a break because it's, it's easy to do. I know when I was mayor, all my jokes were funny. Can you believe it? And I was very smart, and I, I never did anything wrong. And when I walked into City Hall, everybody almost, they didn't bow, but you felt like they were going to. I mean, it gets real easy to begin to think, huh, huh I'm pretty cool. But it's real irrational. You guys, you can fall into it as well at work. It's not just the politicians. But here's what I want to get to. Pride is like this. We're up on the top of the ladder. We're up here. And we start to think, look how high I am. 
Look what I'm doing. I'm way up here in the sky. Isn't, aren't I great? Look how cool. I'm a, it, it, my, is my level on the, in, in this atmosphere right now have anything to do with my talent? No. What's, why am I up here so high? It's the latter. But sometimes we get to the point where we're looking at this and, and, and we, get, we get high on the ladder of life or for whatever reason we get used to the spotlight and we begin to buy our own deal. We begin to get tickets on ourselves and we forget it's not about us, it's about God. And that's why it says in Proverbs 16, the pride goes before destruction. It goes before a fall. And there's damage that's done when pride takes over. And Jabez knew that if he fell for pride... He really what God wanted to do. So here's what I want you to think, think about right now. Yes, I want us to get out of ourselves and think big at this church and our homes and our families and our jobs. I want us to do that because I want us to see God come. I want us to see God in, interact with us in our everyday lives. Yes, that's what we want to do. But gentlemen, it's about God. It's not about you or me. Don't fall for the pride. Herod in, in, in Acts chapter 12, he got it wrong. The story of King Herod, and, he, and he's getting ready to do a speech, and, and he says, and it says in, in Acts chapter 12, I think it's verse, verse 21. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God, not of a man, the voice of a God, not of a man. That's never happened to me, Gary. Has that ever happened to you? That, that had never happened to me, nor do I want it to. Because I guess what Herod was doing, when, as they were the voice of a God, not of a man, they go, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And he just kept egging them on. Because it says, they kept shouting. Problem was, God didn't appreciate that. It says, then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. Because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. I really don't want to go there. Herod did it wrong because God won't share his glory. But Peter and John did it right. And I love this story. It's in Acts chapter 4. And Peter and John are summoned. They're in front of the Sanhedrin and they're going toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. The Sanhedrin's firing them and Peter and John are answering back, back and forth. And somewhere in the middle of this, this really intense argument, discussion, theological, whatever else, somewhere in the middle of all that, Pharisees stop. So I don't get it. I don't get it. These guys are fishermen. We're Pharisees. We're educated. We are on top of things. I don't get it. Oh, and then they say, oh. And then it says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Guys, that's our minimum goal, isn't it? My ultimate goal in life is that minimum goal. I want to be so good at what I do. I believe God deserves my best. I believe excellence is the standard and nothing else. I, I, I don't think we have to dumb ourselves down to honor God. I believe we can be the best we can be. In fact, we owe it to God to be that kind of example to everybody at work at home and everywhere else we are. But I want to do something for God in such expanded borders that when it's done and it's so big and people look at that and they go, and look at me and go, him? And that's already happened several times in my life. Him? Oh, 
He's been with Jesus. That's got to be our goal, guys. And that's my challenge to you is be good at what you do. Strive to be the best at who you are and what you do. Don't apologize for that. But beyond, go beyond yourself and go to the bigger. Put yourself in a situation where you've got to trust God so that you can experience God. And he will put you in such big areas that's so far above your head that when those things are accomplished, people will look at you and go, him? Oh, that's right. He's been with Jesus. Gentlemen, if that's all we do in this world, we'll change it forever. I challenge you. It's my goal. Gatekeepers know that when it comes to bigger than they are success, God is the asset and that could be the liability. And that's okay. Because we can still reach for bigger. But why do we do that? Because we know that if a thing is not bigger than me, it's not worthy of he. God wants us to live our lives to look more like stairs than chairs. And we, I, I've got this ladder up here. Ladders are to help us go higher, right? To get to reach things we can't normally reach. And right now I can, I can tell you that there are some of you in here who, who got really great ladders. You, and you, you're, you're using your gifts and your talents and your skills. You've got really great ladders, but they're up against the wrong wall. You settled for what you can do with those. We're going to talk about that more in a minute, but others in here have what I believe is what I would call a, spirit, a fear of, of spiritual heights. You get up here and, and this ladder, and it's like, oh, I don't want to go up there. Oh, no, I'm not going to go up there. You know, Gary is preaching a sermon, and it's touching your heart. Or you hear it man to man, and you're feeling motivated, and you have every intention to, but then you, oh, no, it's too risky. It limits our potential. So what we do many times is rather than have the stairs, that <laughs> we turn into a chair. We're comfortable. We've gone as far as we're going to go. The only problem with that is we are comfortable. We're not going to grow. And guys, we're looking backwards. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. He says to us, I said the step was solid. Step on it. Okay, Lord. I'm on the step. Okay, now it's time to take the next step. Okay, Lord. I'm on the step. Okay, and the next step. And the next step. Until we finally get up all the way up here to the top of what God has for our lives. I can tell you right now, the view from up here is a lot different. It's a lot different than the view from down there. But the only reason I'm up here is because I trusted the ladder. And the only reason we do bigger than we are is because we trust God. And if we will trust God, we'll do more than we ever imagined for him. We will experience him. That's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be the kind of guys, the kind of gatekeepers that learn to just trust him. When he says move, we move. And, and, he, and he, he's done it in such a way that, well, he wants to involve us in his plan. We find in, in Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, through 13, I mean, a story of Jesus sending the twelve 
He sends the twelve out. He says, then he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, and no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two, two tunics. I mean, don't even take extra clothes. And later on, verse 12, so they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed. And he healed them. There's three things here that I hope you take home tonight. Jesus gave them a task. He gave them the talent and told them to trust. He gave them a task. He gave them the talent. He told them to trust. The task was, I'm going to send you out. The talent was, was the power. He says, he gave them power over unclean spirits. He gave them what they needed to accomplish the task that he, he assigned to them. And then he said, and I want you to do it in a way where you have to trust me. I want you to climb the ladder. I want you to think bigger. And he's doing the same thing for you and me today. Same three ingredients. First of all, he's given us a task. And it's a big one. It's big because, you know, the church in general hasn't really done its job as it should over the last few decades. He wants us to take back the ground we've lost. He wants us to take back the ground we've lost in our families. He wants us to take back the ground we've lost in our, in our, sometimes in our church, in our jobs, in our, in our personal lives when it comes to the addictions or the disease. He wants us to take back the ground we've lost in our country. It's a big, big task. And we would think, it can't be done. It's too big. Jabez says, oh, that you would bless me indeed and expand my borders, that your hand would be with me. Gentlemen, if there was ever a task on this earth that's such that God's hand has to be with us or we're going to fail miserably, it's taking back this country for God. And it's time we grew up as men of God and we did that. God come down, flip that switch, and we move forward because he can We have a window of time. Now is that time. We've talked about this is the place and we're the people, the people of God, to take on this task. And as I stand here right now and I think of how the enormity of the challenge, whether it's in the home or in the country, I cannot honestly tell you how we're going to do it. And isn't that great? Isn't that great? That just means God's going to show up. And we're going to experience God in this country, in our homes, in our jobs, like we never have before. And I say all this to say, that's how God gets things done. God didn't come down to this earth to say, here's what I'm going to do, and then you guys watch. God said, here I am. Tag, you're it. You know that game. Game of tag. Game of tag is that game where we played as kids and somebody's it and you tag them. Uh, you, you're the person that you tag, the next person they're it, and you run around and you try to tag. You know, you, you know the game. Well, this is what Jesus was doing to the 12 disciples. When he sent them out, he said to them, I'm, I'm, Tag, you're it. I'm giving you the task. I'm giving you the power. And, I, and, and I'm telling you to trust me. Tag, you're it. Go do the job. And that's what they did. I'm telling you right now, God's saying the same thing to you and me. Every man in this room, 
And I want you to think about right now, just, just, just in your mind, and I'm asking God, Lord, please open their eyes to themselves right now. Think in, their, in your minds. What is that one area in your life that you know you need something bigger than you to deal with? Is it your marriage? Is it, your, is, it, is it finding time to study the Word? I don't care what you come up with. It's, I'm asking God to open your eyes to that. And I'm telling you right now, God is saying to you about those things, tag, you're it. Gary, when it comes to this church, seven, eight years ago, God said to you, tag, you're it. And I don't think anybody can say that God hasn't blessed this church because of this man. He's one example among very many in this room where God has said to you, tag, you're it. And some of you have said, okay, and you played the game. I'm here tonight to encourage every one of you to play the game. You're it in your marriage as the husband. You're it in your family as the father. You're it as the employee or as the employer. God said to you, I've given you the task. It's bigger than you are to transform your family, to transform your workplace, to transform this world. You want to see God move? Be an unstoppable force that has vision, that says to God, oh, that you would bless me indeed and expand my territory. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and expand my territory, that your hand will be with me. So my question to you and I as we close is this. Who will stand with me? Who will stand with me to have vision that's bigger than you are? Who will stand with me to have the kind of vision that is saying to God, bless me and to give me the super blessing of putting me in a situation that is so hard or so challenging that the only way I successfully achieve is if you step in. And why, God? Because I want to experience you. I want to celebrate you. So right now, who will stand with me with your marriages? Stand right now. Who will stand with me in your jobs? Who will stand with me in the workplace? Who will stand with me for this church? Who is going to stand with me and stand with us as men of God to say to God, bless me indeed. Expand my territory so that we can do things that maybe no one has done in this century. No one has done for, for many decades for God. Guys, we have an opportunity right now to do something really special. We have to get outside of ourselves and get up the ladder. Got to get outside of ourselves and say, God, do something big. I'm rephrasing Jabez's prayer here at the end. Jabez says, tag, I'm it. Oh, that you would super bless me by enlarging my territory way beyond me so I can experience you and keep me from pride's evil so that I won't damage what you are doing. Gentlemen, as you're standing here right now, I understand that many of you came here tonight beat up. There's some here who, the reason you're here tonight is because you are beat up. And you're hearing this guy up here you probably don't even know telling you to take on more. Yes, I am. I'm telling you to take on God. 
I'm telling you to say in that time of meetup, say, God, I'm in a situation now. It's beating me up. You know what that means? It's bigger than you. And God, I'm in this situation, and I want to experience you in this situation. I need you, God. I, I get that, guys. There's others of you in here who maybe things are probably kind of cool right now for you. You don't really feel that way. But I want to encourage you. Dream. Step out to bigger. Ask God, God, what would my enlarged territory look like? Because I want to experience you. But we're going to pray here in a second. And as we pray, I want you to know that we're going to have some gentlemen over here in this room. We call it the triage room. And those gentlemen are there to talk to you. If you need to talk to someone tonight about what it takes to bear up under the weight that God wants to help you carry so you can experience God, they're in there to help you with that. They're going to walk here and there in a few minutes as, as I pray in a second. But my encouragement to each and every one of you if you need to talk to someone about that, if you want to become more for God, if you want to make a difference and matter to God's mission on this earth, and you need somebody to talk to, you have two options. Either go into the triage room and get some personal attention, or sit here at the tables later because Gary leads you through a discussion. But one way or the other, guys, I'm praying to God that we send an army out tonight, an army of men of God who say, God, please expand our territories. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you just now. We come to you begging you to enlarge our territories. Lord, we know it's scary because we have to trust you for that. But Jesus, please, we want to experience you. And we can't do it until we get beyond ourselves. And Lord, there are things you've called us to do. Things that you need done in this world today because you love us and you want all to be saved. And Lord, you've designed to say, us to be the, the army that goes out and talks to people and brings them back to you. Even that's too big for us, Lord, and we need you. And you say, trust me. And Lord, we do. We want to trust. We want to take that next step of becoming more for you, of mattering to your mission. So our marriages matter to the mission. So our jobs matter to the mission. So our ministries matter to the mission. Lord, we want to do that, but we need you. Lord, there are men here tonight who want to do that desperately and don't know what that next step is going to be. Lord, put it upon their hearts to go to the triage room tonight and have that discussion to help them begin that journey to the bigger, the bigger that, that we find, where we find you. And Lord, I pray that as we all depart later on this evening, fall down on us. Lord, come down. Flip the switch in everybody's lives tonight. Jesus, come down. Spirit, fill this room. We ask for that, Lord. We invite that. We want that because, Lord, we want to leave this place on fire and filled with you as an army of God ready to take back the world for you. It's too big for us, but, Lord, it's not too big for you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you that you loved us enough to send your son. And thank you that you want to involve us in this, in this ministry. Guide us, Lord, to experience you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to go to the triage room, please go, go there now. Otherwise, you can be seated. Gary? Thanks, Doug. Hey, did, uh, did that hit home with you tonight? G give Doug a hand. That was awesome. That was great, Doug. That's, I think that's, that's the best one yet. That's, 
the best one yet. That was great. I want to share one thought, and then we're going to have some discussion around the tables. As I sat and listened to Doug tonight, I, you know, I'd love to go, go back and talk about six or seven things that he said. It was so good. But one thing stands out in, in my heart right now that I want to share with you. Your biggest enemy is between your ears. Because you believe, I can't do it without the ladder, and I can only do this much. I, we're bound by our own limitations of what we believe God can do in us and for us and through us. We're bound by that. But when we change and we begin to believe what God says in his word about us, when we begin to pray prayers and ask God to do what he said he would do in us, the lid comes off. You know, some of us have been jumping this high because we thought that's all we could do. But tonight, I want to ask you, before you leave here, ask God to help you think differently. You say, well, this, this is all mental exercise. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because we put a lid on our faith. When we begin to take God at his word and act on it, God will do amazing things. Some of us tonight need to ask God, God, let, let me dream your dream. Let me dream your dream. Let me see what you see. Bless me, bless me. Bless me indeed. Take the lid off of my life. I know this is ringing in guys' hearts tonight. We want to be difference makers. It's a part of our DNA. Let's pray tonight for God to help us do this.